There's another one you don't want to hear. Frankly, if you do I. Right now on the Power Chord Hour, I'm very excited for this one. We're talking to Dramarama frontman John Easdale. And John and the band released their first record in 15 years last year. It is called Color TV. And uh, they have a bunch of uh, different stuff with their music right now. On top of that, the Dramarama catalog just got put up on uh, streaming services like Spotify. And I think just about everywhere else you uh, stream stuff. And uh, on top of that, if you're more of a vinyl person, we got Color TV and the band's debut Cinema Verte, uh, both got vinyl pressing, so tons and tons of music, new and old, coming from uh, the Drama-Rama camp, so we're going to talk all about that right now with uh, John. John, how are you, man? Hey, how's it going? Good. I've uh, I've been looking forward to this. I've been enjoying, I keep calling it new, and it is new, but I guess it has been out about a, a year now, but uh, Color TV, excellent new record, and uh, like I mentioned, it's been 15 years, and uh, when initially, like, did you did you guys start thinking, like, not even recording, but, like, when did the idea even start brewing that it's like, all right, time to uh, do another drama-rama record? When did this all get started for you guys? Well, honestly, we, some of these songs have been around for, for quite a while, and some of them predate the, the, the last album. Uh, oh, really? Yeah, the I, I wrote a couple of the songs particularly the ones that, that deal with substance abuse back when I was uh, just uh, just getting out of rehab, but they didn't really fit on the last uh, couple of records that I put out. And um, I, I think it was a little too close to the, to the, uh, to the actuality of it, you know, to when, to when I, to when I was experiencing and, and I needed to get away from it, you know, have put some distance between me and it. And that could, that uh, makes sense. I mean, that seems. I mean, that seems like a heavy time and a heavy topic and everything. I could totally see where maybe at the time that would, that would take a while to be like, oh well, maybe maybe I'm not ready to like set this into the world. Yeah, and you don't really want to be preachy or, or anything, you know. Not 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 that any of the songs are preachy, but you know what I mean. You don't want to be like poster boy for sobriety. Yeah, it's not, it's not something, you know, and 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 it's still not my goal or or, or purpose. You know, it, it's just it works for me, but I but I wouldn't want to wouldn't want to be that you know yeah that guy you know yeah. So those ones you said then you wrote a few of those like predating because yeah, fifteen years. So some of these are uh, pretty old. Um, or you know, I mean, I mean now have you have you been playing them live since then? Or I mean, have any of these? I, I do know a few of these. I've some seen. of them, yeah, yeah, a couple of them for sure. So they were like but, live yeah. cuts and stuff. Um, I mean, like in that time then, so, I mean, it sounds like for a while you've been thinking of doing the record. I mean, was there ever a time in between the 15 years where you didn't really see another drama Rama record happening? Was there ever a point where you're like, oh, maybe we're not doing another one? No, no, no. We, we actually started recording. Uh, I want to say after the zero, some, some, sometime, you know, maybe five or six years after the last album. Oh, okay. Came out, but it's taken a while to, to, to put it all together. And also the studio where we were lucky enough to record, it's called The Village. It's in West Los Angeles. And it's um, 
it's one of the greatest studios in the world. It, it, it's definitely, you know, everyone from Bob Dylan and the Stones and Elton John and Bar- Barbra Streisand. It's where Fleetwood Mac recorded. Uh, I know they recorded Tusk. I'm not sure if Rumors was there, but I mean, wow. everybody from the 70s to, to, to now, you know, more more recent, you know. Historic, uh, historic uh, recording studio, it sounds like. Yeah, yeah, it's one 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 of the best facilities, and one of the last of the old fashioned ones. You know, that's they just awesome. Shut down, they just shut down Capitol Record Studios, recording studios in the basement of the Capitol Building. And oh man, yeah, there's only there's only a few there's only a few rooms like it, or actually it has it has several rooms, but it's a it's giant old building. Oh, that that's and, cool, and I didn't realize about the Capitol Studio closing down. Yeah, yeah, they just shut it down uh, within the last few months, I want to say. Were you ever able? Had you ever uh, gotten to step foot in there? Yeah, I was I was actually, I produced uh, an album by a band called Greta. I, I co-produced it, and uh, we did some work there back in the 90s. Oh, that's all. I've never been in the building, but that is one of the neatest. I, I, uh, I had to go see it with my own two eyes, so that, that's pretty cool you got to uh, produce in there. And and you're right, yeah. You, you don't seem like a lot of those old classic studios don't seem. They seem to be going the uh, wayside a lot of times. I also feel like some of that. I, I don't know if new studios are taking place. I don't know if that's also being able to record at home or what. But it's kind of sad. I, to see I think that. I think the technology has has taken away a lot of the business. It would of, make of, sense. I I've like I, I think a guest that I've had on here. And I would say at this point, it's the norm to talk to someone. And when you ask them where this was recorded, like where their album was recorded, you get like bedroom or things like that. Like, like you do start getting and things you would never expect either. So, yeah, you're, I, I think you're right on that. I'm thinking uh, home recording. And uh, yeah, I, well, I, you know, you used to have to have a great big, big old tape recording machine and a giant board and stuff. But the technology and the digital technology is, is such that you can get it all. Yeah, on, on your Mac, you know, or, 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 yeah, you can do it all at home. Yeah. And, and, and it's not, you know, it doesn't require the same kind of, uh, cash outlay to, to build a studio and all of that. Do it's, you, uh, it's, it, and, and there's no loss in quality. The, 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 you know, the, the quality of what you can do at home is, 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 is uh, very, very close. Of course, you don't get the same experience, but, but it's not necessary. That was actually my question for you. I, I was going to ask next, like if you had a preference, cause it's like, I, I feel like, yes, it's cool to be able to, uh, you know, do all that at your house, but there is also something magical about being in a studio and being that environment that I, I think sometimes you forget, like sometimes that is, there, that is a part of it as well. I, I feel like. Oh, absolutely. And I'm very, you know, old fashioned. We started doing this, in in 1979 we, we we went in the studio i think for the first time 1979 1980 uh, oh wow and, when we started making recordings and um you know the our first album didn't come out till 85 but we we were we were fooling around before that and uh yeah we always went to studios uh the first ones were in you know in basements and you know dumpy little little recording studios but even then you had to have, you know, a, a recording machine, a tape recorder that cost, you know, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars or something. They they were, they were big old things, big as, uh, <laughs> you know, big as a room. 
Yeah, and then and then the talent too, like to be able to go and then you're doing all analog and be able to just like cut tape and do all this like different different stuff with the analog and the reel to reel and like I love talking about a lot of that old stuff because it's like that in itself I feel like was something like you couldn't just pick it up like you can now you know like that was stuff you had to like work on to even be able to yeah figure no out you had to, yeah you needed an engineer and you needed there there were a lot of a lot of things a lot of bells and whistles and you know a lot of devices that needed to be you needed to know how to do stuff and it, it's all it's a, it's a lot easier now on the uh, new record was this uh did you guys work with a producer was this one self-produced i worked we worked with with a very dear friend of mine jeff greenberg who uh who's been helping us out for many years he actually owns the village and so oh, he nice. was able to, to he was able to get us in there <laughs> uh you know on, on on nights and weekends when when Elton John wasn't busy recording or whoever, you know, <laughs> T-Bone Burnett does a lot of his work there. And, uh, yeah, there's, 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 there's a lot of guys who, who, who go in and out of there and they, and they pay top dollar because it, it is one of the, you know, like I've said it before, it's just one of the best studios in the world. And so we were really fortunate to be able to work there, but it took a lot longer as a result. And also we, you know, we kind of tinkered with it and fiddled with it. And, uh, yeah, it sounds a lot better as a result. And how does the, like, like generally, I'm sure it changes uh, from time to time with different songs, but I mean, songwriting process, how does that normally work in drama-rama? Will you, like, bring something to the other guys? Do you all kind of work on it together? How's a song, like, normally get started? No, it's, it's, it's my, I'm the brainchild, uh, or, 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 yeah, I'm the, I'm the mastermind, whatever you want to call it. Nice, I, nice. I, I'm, I'm the, uh, the auteur. <laughs> I, I do the I do all the work and, and uh, well, not all the work, but uh, creatively I am the songwriter and, um, and the rest of the guys are, are very important parts of the sound. And uh, you know, the, the two guitar players have been with me since, since this, well, since we grew up together, we, we all graduated high school together. And, and the one guitar player, Marky, he's, he's been with me since, you know, we, we grew up on the same block. I've known him since I was three years old. That's amazing. I mean, and I was, I was going to bring that up too. I, I had a question later kind of going to, but like another thing, like a huge part of your band, I think like considering how long you guys have been together, the fact that you've been able to like keep a lineup like that and that you are majority original members. Like, I don't feel like there's a lot of bands who came up around your time. If they're still around that can even say that, like, that's, that's quite impressive that you guys have kind of kept that a pretty consistent lineup, I'd say over the years. Yeah, no, we, we've had, uh, we've had uh, dozens of different drummers, but we've had the same drummer now for 20, 25 years or something. Oh, well, that's the other thing. That's quite, that's, that's quite a while too. He may not be original, but it's like, that's, that's a long time to be in the band. Yeah. And we've had two bass players and our one bass player, he stopped playing with us in 1990. Yeah, in the 90s, when we we took a break back in the day, and um, and yeah, and I've been playing with with the current bass player Mike Davis since uh, 95, 96, something like that. Oh wow! So yeah, this this Every, lineup. Then. Everybody's been with us for for 20, 25 years. The new guys have been with us for 20, <laughs> 25 years. I like that. The new guys, but. Yeah. Going uh, going back to songwriting for a minute, I mean, I think one of the distinctive things about uh, about drama rama, I think one of the biggest ones is your lyrics. I think you have you you really do have a uh, style that I feel like you can listen to. And go like, oh, those are John Easdale lyrics. Like you you have you have your own style. 
Who would you say were like some of your lyrical influences? Who would you kind of credit for uh, your songwriting a little bit? You know, it, it, I love the David Bowie and, and, and Ian Hunter from Mata Hoopla a great deal. I think those had a lot to do with, with inspiring me to become a songwriter. Mm-hmm. But I also grew up listening to the Beatles and, and the Stones and all of that. You know, the Who and the Kinks and all the classic British bands. Um, yeah, I... I, I at the same time, I don't try to really, you know, emulate anybody else. It's just, you know, me and trying not to insult anybody's intelligence with the, with the words. I like that. But, and, and that is that, uh, those, the names you brought up, those all kind of make sense too. I mean, there's definitely a pop sensibility and, uh, you, you're pretty good with a uh, melody with those. I wanted, I wanted to talk, uh, next, you know, I mean, Dramarama obviously starting in New Jersey, and then you guys uh, ended up in uh, L.A. When you guys made that transition over and uh, start playing in L.A. more and stuff, I mean, what was the scene like at that time? Were they welcoming to, like, bands who started in other places and came in? Or, I mean, was there contention at all from bands who started in L.A. versus ones who, who had come in later? I mean, was that ever was that ever an issue? You know, we kind of bypassed the whole, you know, trying to to, to 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 make it we, we we didn't come to los angeles to try to make it mm-hmm. um and, and and to be honest with you i don't think we ever were trying to quote unquote make it you know and get famous where we grew up in in the new york metropolitan area there were a lot of cool bands but none of them were getting played on the radio or, or anything uh at, at, at the time you know all, all the great you know pop punk new wave bands from from new york whether it was Patti Smith or the Ramones or or or, or talk, even Talking Heads, they they weren't on the radio that much. I think Blondie was the exception, and then Talking Heads came along and they started getting a little bit of airplay. But but even in New York City, not really. You know, it wasn't. We weren't we weren't expecting to get on 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 the radio, and we weren't expecting to you know get on MTV. You know, commercial rock radio, at least where we were living, wasn't. Uh, what wasn't going to be playing our kind of music but uh there was a radio station in los angeles that started playing our record and then uh the song became like a you know very popular and 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 was put into heavy rotation as they say and um we came out and we were already on the radio we, we didn't have to you know, compete. And, and i think maybe there might have been some resentment from the local bands who but but i think the thing with Los Angeles is that there's a lot of people from all over the world that come here. It's kind of like actors going to Broadway in New York City. You know, they, they come from all over the country, you know, all over the world. And and they end up in New York. And, and I think bands come from all over the world and end up in, in Hollywood. That's true. So in that sense, yeah, we, we, we kind of cheated and we did, we did, you know, and, and, and really we weren't. I don't think we were prepared for 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 what 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 we uh, encountered when we came here, but <laughs> we we grew we've grown into it, you know. And you know, then then I'd like to go back for a second too. I mean, starting like how many got how many years were you was drama rom? I know you guys lived in New Jersey, but like how long was the band in New Jersey before uh, moving over there? Like how 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 long were you there? Well, yeah, we grew up there. I was I was twenty five when I moved to Los Angeles. But um, the band had gotten together. We, 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 we'd started in the studio 
myself, Mark, the guitar player and uh, the bass player. And I actually played drums and we started in the basement and we started doing our recordings. And then we started going in the studio with just the three of us. And then when, when it came time to start playing live and, and you know, actually named the band Drum Rama, it was around 1982. And uh, so we moved out here in 86. We put our album out in 85. So it took us like four years, maybe four or five years at the most before we were we, we had our album out and and, uh, and we were in Los Angeles. Now, were, were you playing out much at all before the first album came out or was that like after the first record you start playing shows? We had played a little bit, but not nearly enough, I would say. <laughs> uh, I think we could have used more time honing our live presentation than we had uh we would spend way more time in the studio than we had on stage yeah that that well i'm sure now too with uh, all these years you guys have gotten much tighter but yeah I, I could see where uh where that being in the studio which you sound great the studio sounds good but yeah that was time to do it live it's like oh yeah we might be a little uh might be a little rusty on this so then you you were mostly yeah, we, we were we were very green. <laughs> then were were you part much of then the New Jersey music scene or by that that point did you did you get to like be part of the local scene at much or I mean it kind of sounds like you like you said you weren't you weren't playing much while you were in New Jersey. We played at you know the clubs that were available for us to play you know original music wasn't you know the thing in 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 New Jersey there there were a couple of nightclubs that where you could play there was club called the dirt club which was really like kind of like new jersey's version of cbgb's and nice. smithereens played, you know, the smithereens played there too um but yeah no we weren't really part of any kind of a scene no uh, did, did you guys ever in your career get to well it was still open ever play cbgb's yes we did we oh, but nice. it wasn't until i want to say the 90s Oh, wow. Now, I mean, were you going to shows? I know Wayne's very close to New York City. I mean, did you go to shows at CBGB's growing up? You know, I never did. No? I, I, I um, yeah, I did a lot of shopping in New York. Like, I went to record stores, but I didn't, I, I didn't start going to, to concerts in New York until late, later on. And by that time, I don't think CBGB's really had that many great bands you know it was it was living off of its reputation rather than having all the great bands play there anymore i i see what you're saying um going going back to the uh, new record i want to say i mean keeping keeping up the tradition you guys are always good for uh, a couple really good covers and uh on this new one you got a bob dylan cover an elliot smith cover and i mean i wanted to ask you i mean is there much of an approach at all when you guys like choose cover songs because i always feel like you pick songs that fit with like the flow of the record. They're not just like randomly picked. So like, I feel like there has to be some kind of approach. Like do you guys, and also on top of that, I mean, when approaching a cover, I mean, do you try making it your own? Do you try to keep to the original? Like, you know, what kind of thought goes into that? Cause you guys, like I said, I mean, always, always good. Lots of uh, excellent covers throughout the years. Well, uh, we don't change them that much, but we try to find songs by bands that are you know reasonably well known but at the same time not the most obvious song by that band you yeah know? we we did a song by the rolling stones called memo from turner which is really not it, it, it's on a there's like a demo version and then there's a, a solo Mick jagger version on, on a soundtrack to a movie but it's not the most obscure it's not, 
Yeah, we try, <laughs> we try to pick the, the the less well-known songs by pretty well-known bands. When we started out, we actually, you know, it, it was kind of calculating in, in the fact that we did, you know, a David Bowie song, for instance, on our first album, because we as uh, music fans and, 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 you know, really, you know, geeks, uh, the word wasn't in use at the time, but, you know, just total, uh, you know, music nerds and big Bowie fans. We knew other bands, you know, when, when another band did a David Bowie song, we knew about it, you know, and we would check it out. So we thought it was a way for people to, you know, Hey, maybe this band might be good. They do a David Bowie song, you know, or they do a Lou Reed song or, or whatever. So at at the very beginning, we were trying to get noticed by, by doing other people's songs and, uh, you know, maybe have a little bit of that rub off on us. And as the years have gone by, I think, yeah, like you said, it's 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 a matter of picking songs that that fit with the the flow and the feeling of the record. And uh, yeah, and I I don't think we try to change them that much. We we try to s- stick with the spirit of of the originals. Yeah, I, I think you guys like honestly, like I think it was listen maybe two or three that I even realized that Abandoned Love was that you were doing a Bob Dylan song because again it like fits everything about it kind of fits with the flow of the record so like sometimes I feel like a band will throw a cover on us on an album and it just breaks up the, like the sequencing and the flow and everything whereas like no you guys you guys pick pretty uh, solid ones that I feel like normally fit with whatever like the mood of the record you know or, or whatever is but uh, absolutely and again you know Bob Dylan has a lot of great songs but that's not one of his more well-known songs i think you're better off doing that too because the other thing is people if they know right away if right away you start doing i don't know tangled up in blue or something like they're going to start judging it by the original i feel like if you do a more well-known one right away you're going to get that where i think it's kind of better where like me like listening to it once or twice before i even caught on that it was a dylan song i'm just like wow that's a really good song like so you kind of don't have those preconceived notions i feel like if you did yeah like a more a more one where the second, you know, you start playing, I'm like 30 seconds. I'm like, oh, yeah, that, that it's that song, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, thank you. But uh, going going on, you know, like I said, uh, the new vinyl treatment, which is awesome to see, just got color TV. While it has been out about a year now, uh, first, first vinyl pressing and then uh, Cinema Verte, I think first... I think first pressing in quite a while, right? I mean, is this the first one since the 80s or has it been pressed since its original uh, run? I think they stopped making vinyl at some point in the very late 80s, early 90s. I, I'm not sure when the last pressing vinyl pressing of Cinema Verte was. It might have been the 80s. It might, yeah, I don't, I don't remember if, when they when we got signed to a record label and and they licensed our our catalog. The the ones that I know that came out, they came out on cassette and it came out on CD, but I don't know if it came out on vinyl again. Yeah, the later era stuff probably definitely never saw vinyl right then, like the 90s. Any, any records you put out in the 90s probably didn't really get vinyl. No, by, ni- by 91, we actually, we named an album Vinyl. Because that's right. Because there, there was no more vinyl. Oh, oh that's why you named it that? They wouldn't let us put it out on vinyl. And, yeah, we, we were lamenting the... Uh, the passing of an era. And you know, what's weird about that too. I feel like we're at a time now and this might be weird for you, like just seeing, seeing all of these changes, but like the fact that even right now we're talking about how you're putting these, these two records on vinyl while at the same time, putting them up on streaming services, you know, it is kind of weird. The like era we live in right now 
the duality of it where one is it's just digital. There's nothing there. And then another, it's like, we're bringing back this format, which sells really well. Like I, I collect vinyl myself, but like, you know, people, people are then going and it's like, I mean, something that's even less convenient than say an eight track in like portability and stuff. And, it, and it's <laughs> insane to see, you know, kind of the duality of that, that, that we've went back to records, you know, I mean, like, did that, did that surprise you when you saw that there was even demand for like color TV and all that on vinyl? Cause I even think back, I mean, your last record, no one cared about vinyl in like 2005. So, I mean, there was no, I'm sure there's no demand for it on that one either. Well, it's a lot different now. I mean, you could argue that the quality and, 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 and all of that, you know, it just sounds better on vinyl and, and, a, and a lot of people will, will have you that argument. And I, I grew up, you know, buying records. So I love the idea of the great big 12 inch album cover and, you know, reading it and looking at it and taking it out and putting it on, you know, there, there's something of the ritual of that, that, that I really enjoy. And that's cause I grew up doing that. Um, I don't know if, if the, 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 the current generation, you know, the kids today, if you want to put it that way, <laughs> I think it, it appeals to them in kind of a retro way, you know, um, because it, it is less convenient and, it is, uh, you know, it's not as easy as streaming. You know, you can, you know, punch it up on your phone and hook it up to your Bluetooth device or listen to it in your car. It, it, it's it's the ultimate inconvenience. Yeah, you got to dedicate um, time for a record. You got to sit down like, I'm going to listen to side A and side B, like all the way through. Yeah, and I, and like I said, I grew up doing that, so that's that's something that I love and, and that I still love, and I never got you know I, ne- I never threw away my record players. In fact, I I have a bunch of them because when garage sales back in the the nineties and stuff, people would be dumping that stuff. I just I just hoarded them, so I have like five <laughs> or six really good turntables. Smart man, because that stuff does not. That stuff is so expensive now. Old analog equipment and receivers yeah, and turntables and stuff. Yeah, you got. Yeah, and a lot of the new stuff that comes out really isn't, you know, isn't the best. You know, it's 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 okay, but yeah, it's you have to spend money to, 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 for it to sound good. I think. No, but, but the, the, I'm no, sorry. Go ahead. Oh no, you're fine, man. Go ahead. Uh, I was going to say the, the thing with streaming. You know, we we kind of hesitated about putting our, our stuff up on there um, from the beginning. It, it, it's, it's taken us a while to, to get to the point where we, we felt comfortable with just putting it all out there for, for free, so to speak, you know, and um, yeah, it was, it, it took us a little while, but, but it's, it's the way everybody listens to music now. So it, I think we were doing ourselves a disservice to not have our old stuff on there. Yeah, I don't know. It's a necessary. It is a necessary evil. I don't. I don't love Spotify either. But I've just realized that, uh, like you know, I mean, any streaming service. That's obviously the biggest one. But like, yeah, it, it's it's like you kind of are damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because it's like I, I think a lot of people have that resistance, and then it's like there's just no. It's just not like why bother with it. It's like, and I guess, and I guess at the same time, it may help. You know get uh get the songs out to people who you know may not otherwise hear them maybe get them out to a younger generation no absolutely that's the way the, the, they, they consume music so if it's not there for them then they don't have the opportunity to listen to it and and the, the, the beauty of it and, and and the strange thing of it is that because everything is available now people of the new 
generation of, of the, the young people today, they're listening to old music more than they ever could before. You know, it's it's all available to them. Whereas before, you would have been stuck with you know the best of somebody or something. You know, you you wouldn't really be able to go out and listen to every album by every band, which you can now. Oh, you're, you're, I mean, you're right about that. I've I've kind of I feel like I I saw the end of it. I'm 28, and like there was. I still remember buying CDs and all that, but like then it kind of turning over to digital and like iTunes and all of that. And like there is, there, there's a nest. I don't, it goes back and forth. There's, there's good and bad. I feel like of it, but I do think the good of it is the second I discover a band that I love, like say Dramarama, I'm like, Oh, all of a sudden your entire catalogs at my fingertips. Like all of a sudden this band I'd never heard of now, here's all this information. Here's what they put out at the same time. I do think it's kind of sad though. Not sad, but like I, I am someone who still likes like that that hunt for your music. Like I kind of like obscure bands that are still kind of hard to find their stuff. Maybe it's out of print, and you have to go hunt for it. You know, it's not it's not the just throw their name in Google and you'll find everything. Like maybe they do have a seven inch that like you know was put out thirty years ago on a, an obscure label, and you even can't find it online. Like you know that there is something that is missed there that I, I think, and it sounds like you were probably into it too. You were talking about go New York city and stuff earlier for like record stores and stuff, but that hunt of it, you know, having really whatever record you want or whatever album you're looking for, you have to go find it now. Like if that record store doesn't have, you have to go find one or find one to like special order it or something, you know, that, that that's definitely gone. Well, that's, you know, that's the shame of it is that records, most record stores are gone, you know, much less, you know, them not being able to carry everything. You know, there, there just wasn't the shelf space to hold every album by every band, you know, even just like one artist, say, say Bob Dylan or the Rolling Stones, you know, there wouldn't be enough room for them to carry every every different album that that, that those artists would put out over a career that lasted 30, 40 years. You know, they, they would have room for the newest album and maybe the best of and maybe two or three other titles that were the most popular or something. But, yeah, you, you couldn't even fit it all into the record store. So, yeah, that's the beauty of it. And and it's not just, you know, music. I mean, I remember, you know, seeking out things and trying to find, you know, old performances from television shows. Um, one that I always uh, fall back on, there was a David Bowie special on a TV show called The Midnight Special in 1974, I think it was. It was called The 1980 Floor Show. And I remember paying $50 for a, a VHS bootleg copy that was really very poor quality. And, um, yeah, so you'd, you'd go out and try to find things and you'd have to seek it out. And, and they were hard to find. And you, know, you had to go underground and and uh, look for bootlegs and stuff. And now you can get it all on YouTube. High quality, high definition, perfect quality. And, uh, yeah, it, it's nice to have it all there at your fingertips. It, it is, and, the, and they're, they're, it's the duality. Of, you know, it's nice, and it's also nice for the uh, hunt. But I know, I know. Originally, I wanted to ask you for uh, Cinema Verte when that originally came out. I know it was originally on a uh, French label, New Rose. Did that get released like over here in the states, or like kind of speaking what we're talking about? Like originally, did you have to kind of like special order that? Was that hard to find over here when it first came out? It wasn't import for the first year, year and a half. Oh, wow. Um, we eventually, we put out our own 45 in 1982, and then we put out 12-inch in 1984. But that album came out in France in 1985, and then we pressed it ourselves in 1986. 
Oh, wow. So for the first year or so that it was out, you could only get it as an import. That's crazy. The And the other ones you're mentioning, like the uh, 45 and stuff, you just those are just self-released? Yep. Oh, wow. We just had our own little little record company. That that's crazy because back then, I mean, you guys had to be pretty young, right? That's your early like early twenties. Yeah, but we started the band in the basement of a record store oh. that the bass that the bass player owned. It was like oh. a little mom and pop record shop, and we were selling, you know, import singles and also, you know, independent singles by bands, you know, local bands or, or you know, you know, American bands, but just underground kind of thing. Oh, that's and cool. We heard and so that's that was part of the inspiration for us to to put out our own. That's really neat because back then I feel it like again. I mean, we're going back to like pre-internet days and all that. It's like it's not you can't just Google how to like DIY release this yourself. Like that's pretty cool to uh, go and and do all that yourselves and then put it out. But yeah, that that, that must not have hurt having the uh, the record store side of that. I imagine then you already kind of have a little bit of like knowledge, I guess. Or uh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and and also. Back then, you know, in, in in the early 80s, that was still, there were a lot more pressing plans and there were a lot more places to go get that done. Was it was it fairly cheap to press your records or was it expensive to do that back then? Oh, much cheaper than it is now. Oh, really? At the time, oh, yeah, no, you know, a record, you'd go buy a record, a vinyl album. You know, when we were when we were at the store, we were selling them for six or seven dollars piece new, and that was retail. So you could buy them for three or four dollars, say wholesale, and they probably cost a, a, a buck. You know, to make it to make a vinyl album. Oh, it's not bad. Now I think it costs like five or six dollars, maybe, <sighs> including the, the the album covers and stuff. It's like five times. Geez, that did get that did get a lot more expensive. I didn't realize that. Yeah, it, 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 again, it, there's a lot less places making records. There's a lot less factories to to get records made than there was. I think when they when they went away in the '90s, you know, a lot of these places went out of business and shut down, and they just uh, the stuff was left to rust or thrown away or whatever. I don't know, but there's a lot less pressing plants now. So now it, it's the opposite. When CDs first came out, they were more expensive than albums. You know, you could buy an album for eight dollars, and and you could buy a CD for twenty dollars. Jeez! And now you now the opposite. You you know, it costs five times more to make an album than it does a CD. You know what? But that you know, and now you say it, it does make sense because I think about it. And now CDs cost more if you're buying it from a band. Like CDs, I feel like at this point are like sometimes you find them five ten bucks, and then vinyls like twenty twenty five like. There's there's a big price difference now that the tables have turned. Yeah, no, it costs a lot more to make a record. It's insane too. Yeah, I would imagine at some point they would have never thought those vinyl. And I never thought of that, but yeah, I mean vinyl virtually, like you were talking about earlier, wasn't pressed for I mean quite decades. So yeah, who would have ever thought all of a sudden you get this demand? I mean the ones the few who were sitting the pressing plants had to be like my like they probably were not seeing that. They, it sounds like yeah they. uh Everyone must go through just a few. It, it, mm-hmm. it sounds like, but yeah, uh, I think the only the only the only records that were still being made that never stopped being made were like twelve inch singles, like the D- D- disco or whatever you know, dance music. They, they 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 still had, they were still making those, but for the most part, pop music stopped being made on vinyl. That's interesting. Um, going, I wanted to I wanted to go back to covers for just a second. Um, you know, like I said, you've done tons of them. 
have you ever had any artists like reach out and said they've they've heard any of the versions that you've covered throughout the years um you know no i can't think that i have i i don't know that i've ever really spoken to any of them uh regarding that uh no i i don't think so no i was just wondering next yeah you have you have uh tons of them you know what i, I take that back the the, the the uh a guy who i i hadn't known when we recorded a version of the new york dolls private world um he became a friend his name is sylvain sylvain he, he oh he recently, he recently passed away but um yeah he, he he became a friend and he ended up playing on our our album hi-fi sci-fi and joining us on stage so yeah he he i knew he heard it and we actually played it together in concert so I, there you go. Thanks for reminding me. <laughs> I, I had forgotten that, but I'm not even kidding. My actually next question here was because we lost him earlier this year, and I know you've you've played with him. I, I was going to ask how you how you guys met Sylvain and how that kind of all came about. It was uh, our drummer. His name is Clem Burke. He, he joined the band. Oh, from Blondie. Uh, yeah, yeah. He 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 was our drummer from like 1990 to 1994, 1991 to 1994. Wow. Um, yeah, and that's how we met Sylvain. That and now, now that's another one, Clem Burke. I mean, how'd you how'd you meet him? Like, you guys have worked with some amazing. Like, even I forget that sometimes. Like when I was writing the question, like, oh yeah, Clem Burke from Blondie played with them for like a good chunk of the nineties. Yeah, he 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 became our drummer. Our, our the drummer who played with us. Uh, he actually our first album has like five drummers, including me. I think no, maybe four. Something like that. Oh, but, your drumming uh, is on the first record too. You can hear it on the first record. Yeah, yeah, I play on on two or three of the songs. Oh wow! And, uh, and um, and then there's three other drummers, but the but the last one, uh, the one who, who who moved out to California with us in 1986, he was with us for four years, and then he left us in 1990, and uh, we needed a drummer, and Clem. Uh, the DJ who actually started playing our record in in, in Los Angeles, Rodney Bingenheimer, legend. He, he introduced us to Clem Burke. Oh wow! That I, I, he made the suggestion. He's like, mm. yeah. He seems like why don't you use Clem Burke? And he <laughs> he knew Clem, and, and he got us in touch with him. And at first, it was that whole Wayne Wayne's World kind of we're not worthy kind of thing, but. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think we were in awe of the idea of, of playing with him because he is an amazing drummer. But was Blondie? Were they doing much during that, or were they on? Were they broken up? No, that Blondie. Time? Blondie didn't play from like the early '80s till the early, either the very late '90s or early 2000s. Oh, I didn't realize they were broken up that long. They were on hiatus for like ten years. Yeah. Oh wow! Yeah, I knew they weren't together for a while. I didn't realize it was that long of a of a break. Plus, it's kind of cool because technically, you can say you had a Ramon in your band. Well, he was, he was only a Ramon for a weekend. <laughs> I don't know. I still, according to Wikipedia, I think. I think oh no, it he, he definitely he played concerts, and there were shirts with with Clem Ramon. Uh, <laughs> you know, the the the, 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 the seal, the, the Ramon seal with with Clem. So that's probably a real rarity. If you could find one of those, that's that's probably very valuable. Oh, I'd say yeah, that's probably worth a nice, pretty penny right now. Mm. But uh, um, going, you know, I got a couple more questions here as we're closing up. Throughout Drama Rama's catalog, I mean, when you look back hindsight, were there any songs that you think you guys should have pushed as singles that you didn't? Are there any that like you think, man, we really should have tried to get that? Like that really should have been a bigger. We should have tried making that a hit. 
You know what? I just never, for me, it was never about hit records or about picking songs. You know, it's like picking your favorite child, you know, it, it's, it, I love them all. And, uh, and, and, you know, it, it, the first, the first song that, that, that got us, got us to move to California, it's called anything, anything at, um, it's not like that was a single or that we picked that one. It was, it was track four on side one. And, uh, I guess if we had thought, you know, this is a hit, we would have made it track one or something, you know? Um, yeah, it's never been about picking hits or picking singles. I, I, I don't know how to do that. It's, it's, I leave that usually leave that up to other people, although I'll say, Oh, I didn't, you know, I might have a, an opinion and I might say, this is a song that everyone should hear, but, but I, I you know, I, I really am pretty proud of, of, of the you know the majority of, of the body of work and uh yeah i don't i don't, I, I don't know i don't have yeah i have very few regrets music you know musically i i have regrets personally but not not musically and I, I you know i don't it's not like oh we should have should have done this or should have done that you know yeah there's 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 decisions that i've made that that you know affected you know what happened but but not necessarily musically or, or those kind of choices. You know, as uh, as things open back up, shows are coming back and everything, uh, like plans, you guys planning on touring on color TV or playing shows, you know, what's kind of like coming up for drama-rama as things are kind of, you know, you're able to uh, maybe properly promote this a little more than you could have when it came out last year. Yeah, unfortunately, last year it got canceled, and uh, that would have been the time to do it uh, at this point. I think there's a backlog of people, you know, wanting to get back out on the road and people wanting to put their music out. So I think, you know, the competition is going to be kind of fierce. We'll go out and we'll play wherever we can play and do whatever we can do. And uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. Um, some of the stuff we had planned even for this year has already been put off until next year, you know? Oh, geez. So we're, we're scrambling trying to get things done and trying to get things going, but uh, we'll see what happens, you know, by the, by, by the time we're able to get back to it, it might be, be time to make another record and hopefully it won't take another 15 years. <laughs> I don't, I don't think people would be mad for a, if you uh, put another one out. I mean, is that, is that also the reason then why, I mean, cause it came out digitally, right? But not a, uh, has it gone CD yet? Or is it just vinyl and digital right now? No, it was available on CD and uh, soon after the, the, the digital release i think uh it took a little while afterwards maybe a, a, a month or something and that was because of covid and then um the vinyl thing uh, i think like i said it, it, it's really hard to get a mu music pressed you know like we're trying to get more press because we're, we're we're almost sold out on the first run oh that's great uh, that's great news. Press, but but the, the pressing plant that did it is booked till january so i, oh, I don't geez. know yeah, no, and, 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 you know, that's six months ahead. So it took a really long time for this. You know, we were hoping to have it a lot sooner than we finally got it back. So we, it wasn't, it wasn't a, it wasn't a calculated thing with that, you know, we'll put the vinyl out a year out, a year after the, the release. It, it's just the way things went. And, uh, you know, as we're closing on here too, I did want to ask, you know, like I mentioned, uh, drama Rama, all this stuff is up now for streaming. And uh, so is your solo record. And I mean, I know, I know you put that out back in like the nineties. I know you put a solo record out in years, but was that something you would consider doing again? I mean, have you ever thought of doing more solo stuff? Could you, could you see that happening more down the line at all? Yeah. Well, 
you know, we got the band back together in 2003. We were, we were involved with this VH1 television show called Reuniting the Bands. And um, it was a program where they, they pretty much ambushed you and said, hey, you want to get back together with your band? <laughs> and, uh, and, you know, we said, sure. You know, I, I have no qualms about doing that. And um, so since then, uh, it's been about the band. And, you know, if, if at some point it wasn't about the band, then, yeah, I, I would do it. And the beauty of the first solo album was after being in the band, uh, I got to play, you know, I got to play drums. I got to play guitar. I got to, you know, some of the songs, I got to play all the instruments myself. Oh, wow. I think I don't know that. You know, if the recording suffered as a result, you know, there's there's a re there's a reason why there's two guitar players in my band and I'm not one of them. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not the best guitar player. I'm not the best drummer, and and I'm, I'm you know, it's nice to have other guys that do it a lot better than I do. And 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 I really do like playing with with my band, and we're like a little little team, you know, and we're lucky to, to, to still be doing it together. You know, the, the, the three of us since, you know, we, like I said, we, the three of us graduated same, same year, class of 79 in Wayne Hills, New Jersey. And, uh, you know, the bass player and drummer have been with us since have been playing with me since the nineties. And, and it, it's, it's a well-oiled machine at this point. And we all like each other. And, you know, aside from being able to play together, it's, it's a lot about being able to, driving a van together too you know we all get along real well and yeah it's a team effort that's a huge part of it i mean if you d yes making music's a, obviously like a big part but you also got to like each other i mean that that is that is really a big part so that that is a feat that uh i think a lot of bands can't make again again it's amazing how long you guys have uh you know kept the lineup and everything and uh you know that that definitely i think says something about you guys which y'all must be easy or pretty easy to work together uh, with and everything that it, that it's uh, lasted that long. But yeah. Uh, and I mean, we, we got the band together, you know, the, the band started out as a vehicle for my songwriting, so to speak. And it still is that. So I have, you know, I, I don't really have any, any, any need to, you know, I, I have to do my own thing, man. Cause, <laughs> cause, cause John Rama is my own thing, even though I, I share the credit and, and gladly share the, the burden of putting it together with the guys in the band. <laughs> now, do you, uh, do you play drums still at all? I haven't that much. Actually. I, I, I think about it every once in a while that it would, I'm that on that. I'm real rusty. I, I still play guitar and, and actually I get to play guitar on stage, uh, play some acoustic, but yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm way out of shape on the drums. <laughs> no, I, I was wondering that. I, I didn't realize, uh, I, I, I knew you played drums a little bit early on, but, uh, yeah, I didn't realize you played them on your solo record or that you played like all the, all the instruments. That's amazing. Which again, if people oh, if are not, you, if you listen to, if you listen to the album, you can, you can tell which ones are me on drums for sure. <laughs> I mean, Clem's on there and, 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 Oh, uh, Clem played on it too. Yeah. Clem's on a couple of tracks and Tony, the, the drummer in my band now, he's on a couple of songs, but, um, but yeah, you can tell which ones are me. It's, uh, it's kind of sloppy, but you know, it does the job. Well, people, uh, I mean, if they, if they have missed that solo record, they can, uh, now go stream it. And, uh, yeah, so, I mean, we're closing this out now. This has been a lot of fun. If you want to tell people now, I mean, where can they grab the new album? Where can they grab the vinyl? Where can they find you online? Like if you want to, if you want to tell people all that, uh, good stuff, basically where to go grab all this. 
Well, you know, it's all, as you say, it's available on all popular streaming platforms, whether it's Apple Music or uh, Amazon, Spotify. I think it's how it's on Title. I think so. I think it's yeah. I think it's a, everywhere. All your favorite streaming platforms, and uh, as far as the vinyl goes, um, you can get that direct from the band. Uh, we have a website called dramaramastore.com, and that's just uh, basically we sell our, our vinyl album, we sell our new CD, um, have a couple other odds and ends, but uh, and that's mostly just yeah, it's just music. We, we we don't we don't have merchandise really uh, for sale. We try not to. We we, we I, you know I I I think you know it, it's 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 asking enough to, to for people to buy music or or buy a ticket to our shows. I don't want to don't want to gouge them on souvenirs and tchotchkes and things. But uh, so yeah, drumaramastore.com to pick up the the hard the you know hard copies if if that's what you want. And um, yeah, otherwise. Anywhere you like to listen to music, YouTube, you you name it. I I would grab probably that vinyl too, because like you just said, like January of next year for uh, repressing. So I would probably go grab if you if you're a record collector, I would go grab those before uh, you run out and have to wait until uh, you know whenever they can press more records. Yes, by all means, please do. But uh, yeah, do that. Support the band, and uh, yeah, we're gonna play a couple songs off the new record right now. I'm loving it. We're going to play great album opener, so we'll start with that. We're going to play Beneath the Zenith right here on the Power Chord Hour.
Smile for me before I cry for you. You don't understand this thing you're doing. Lie for me. You know I'll die for you. Everything I touch, I leave it ruined. Oh, how every day makes me feel so happy. Oh, how every night drives me up the wall.
Ghost. He's always off somewhere. 
right here on the Power Chord Hour podcast. You know, the original by Bob Dylan is great, but I got to be completely honest, that version I think is even better than the original right here. That was Drama Rama with Abandoned Love. Before that was What's Your Sign. Before that was Every Day and Opening Up That Block of Music was Beneath the Zenith. All three of those and that cover are all on the brand new Drama Rama record, Color TV. Go check that out. It is on CD. It is streaming everywhere now, along with uh, all of Drama Drama Rama's back catalog, like we were talking about, as well as uh, John Easdale's solo record from like 1998. So uh, yeah, I mean, like if you're if you're uh, like new to the band, and I mean, you know, they've been around forever, but really, I only Lucky Boys Confusion, a great band, another underrated band, uh, did a cover of Anything Anything. And uh, that's how I discovered them. But I thought it was Lucky Boy's Confusion, their original song for like two or three years. And then I think one day on like VH1 Classic, uh, Anything Anything, the music video uh, was on there. And uh, all of a sudden I'm like, holy shit, like that's not Lucky Boy's Confusion. This is a band, you know, Drama Rama. And, uh, you know, I discovered them from there. And I think as time has went on, you know, I mean, initially I uh, liked what I heard. But I don't. I don't think I went that far into their catalog. And then later on, you know, kind of, kind of went further than just like the greatest hits. And uh, I mean, really, an underrated band, and insanely, like, I love Drama Rama, and they've had success. Like, Drama Rama is not a uh, super tiny band. I mean, they've had bona fide hits, and uh, you know, like, like they've they've had their success and everything. But I think they're another one of those bands where, yes, they've gotten recognition to a degree, but uh, I think I think not a. Regarded enough, you know, I, I think they're a band who really was, I mean, doing some amazing things in the 80s and 90s and now still and, you know, also writing, you know, another band where it's like they're not rehashing their old stuff, but because you don't see a lot of bands that sound like them these days, it's like they're kind of doing something unique, you know, I mean, they sound the new record sounds like classic drama rama, but it sounds it's kind of like the last X record like Alphabet Land is amazing. I think one of the things which I guess to be fair and kind of the same with drama rama, but like with X, there's no bands that ever really sounded like X. So it's not to say there were tons of bands back in the 80s that sounded like them, but it's like now, you know, that like Billy Zoom's rock and roll guitar and everything like that, like Chuck Berry, like influenced guitar playing and stuff like you don't hear it as much anymore. So when you hear things like that, I feel like it's even more refreshing now because you're not getting overkilled with it. And uh, kind of the same thing with the new Drama Rama record. It's like I don't I don't think, uh, you know, they went in and wrote some amazing songs, but they, they you know, they didn't try to reinvent the wheel with this one. They they wrote a classic Drama Rama record and uh you know, it's uh, it's just absolutely great. You know, it, it's great to hear, and like I said, it's got a breath of fresh air too, because you don't really hear bands doing this anymore. And uh, and again, too, I mean, shout out to them. The fact that uh, three fifths of that band is all original members. I mean, for being around that long, going back to X, I mean, X is uh, you know, all original members. They they've had a few uh, come and go. You know, like with Billy Zoom and stuff. There's been times when really only Billy, Billy's the only one who's ever left. I believe the. Uh, Bone Break and Exene and John have been in the whole time, but you know, like same with X, like or <laughs> now I keep talking about X, Drama Rama, just gr- two great, amazing, underrated bands from the '80s who you know maybe got recognition not as much as they should have, but uh, you know, just same thing again where it's like you're not hearing music like this anymore, so it's really rad when you hear it and when it's done really well. So uh, whether again, whether you want to stream it, whether you want the CD or uh, you want the vinyl, go pick that up. Go to Drama Rama store. I mean, go, like, really, like, go support them directly from the band. Like, I mean, you know, go go stream them and stuff, too. But, uh, you know, if you really want the best way to support them, because they're not on Bandcamp, uh, you know, go go through their store, because you're going right through them. Like, the money's going 
directly to the band. So dramaramastore.com, go check that out. And uh, they're on social media and everything, Instagram, Facebook, and uh, Twitter. Go go follow them and everything. And uh, just a great man. That was really fun to uh, talk to John. You know, absolute legend. I would have loved to, uh, you know, there's so many other things to talk about. But uh, you know, he's had such a long career. But like, I would love to talk more about like Clem Bar, or you know, like Clem Burke and uh, Sylvain Sylvain and uh, some of the other people who they've worked with throughout the years because they really have. They've had some amazing uh, people who uh, they've gone to play with and uh, have played with them, and you know, just amazing band. Really, really cool. But that is the episode for this week. Hope you enjoyed my interview with John Easdale of Dramarama. And uh, check back in next week. We will have another new one for you. Stay connected with the show online. We are at Power Chord Hour on Twitter, on Instagram, and on Facebook. Uh, Spotify, obviously, maybe you're listening to this there right now. You can go listen to uh, you know all past podcast episodes there. And we put up playlists from the radio show every week. So, like you know, on here I just played uh, four Dramarama songs. But since we do the radio show, it's two hours. I'm going to play a shit ton of Dramarama this week. And, uh, you know, there'll be a nice block of that. So, uh, you know, whenever you're listening to this, it may already be up. But, uh, yeah, there'll be a playlist from uh, every week's radio show. And this week, it's going to be uh, lots and lots of drama-rama. I haven't made the playlist yet because I'm recording this literally after I just finished talking to him. So, you know, I still got to make the playlist and everything. But I'm thinking it's going to be an all-drama-rama set. So uh, I'm thinking if you've listened this far and you're a fan of uh, of them, you might you might enjoy this week's Spotify playlist. So check that out. Just search Power Chord Hour on Spotify. And, uh, oh, what else? Radio show, obviously, Friday nights, 10 Eastern to midnight on 107.9 WRFA right here in good old Jamestown, New York. But uh, if you're listening, you're going, dude, I don't live there. How do, I, how do I listen to this radio show? It's all I've ever wanted in life. Go check it out, WRFALP.com. And uh, you'll see the big old streaming button there, and you can stream the uh, station from anywhere. And uh, also a WRFA mobile app. Just go search WRFA in the uh, Apple App Store. And uh, Apple App Store sounds weird. That's Apparently that's why everyone just calls it App Store, and I've never heard anyone call it Apple App Store. Because you sound like an asshole when you say it. So I'm going to quit saying that. But uh, yeah, go, go check that out in the App Store, and uh, check out all the other rad programs on WRFA. It's very rad that they've let uh, the, the Power Record Hour be on there for the last five years. And uh, you know, also let me use the studio for the podcast and everything. And uh, also gave me a paid internship as a... Uh, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed high schooler back in like 2009 so you know lots of reasons to go support wrfa but support wrfa support drama rama and if you got any uh, love left in your heart just even a sliver uh show the power court hour some love go follow us in uh, all those places i mentioned and also rate and review and subscribe to the podcast if you would and uh, that's going to be it. I'm going to stop promoting my bullshit. Uh, you know, I know you're here for John Easdale because he rules and so does Dramarama. So uh, I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to go listen to some Dramarama. Seriously, go listen to Color TV if you haven't heard it yet. Uh, another band who well worth the long time. You may have waited a long time for another record, but uh, the whole record's good front to back. So it's like I'd rather that than, you know, three or four mediocre records with like you know, five good songs maybe on each one for like a decade. You know, I, I would much rather a band take their time and put out something really good, and that's what Dramarama did on this one. But like I mentioned, check back in next week. We'll have a new one for you. 
I believe it may be solo. I believe next week I'll be doing best albums of 2020 so far, or 2021. God damn, I forgot what year it was. Uh, 2021 so far, since we are at the halfway mark, I can't believe that, but we are. So it's uh, kind of time to go through a few records and I'm really loving uh, this year. So that'll either be next week or the following. If it's not next week, that means we have a guest. But uh, either way, we got a new one for you, so check back in. Until then, for the Power Chord Hour podcast, I'm Anthony Merchant. Thank you so much for listening.